This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson. Hello and welcome to Jail Ministry. If this is your first time, uh, this is going to be one heck of a lesson today on hell. Hopefully you've been with us before and uh, you know the routine. We are here at Jail Ministry because we want to share God's truth with people. And His truth comes from His Word, the Bible. So if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to get it in front of you because we're going to be referring to a lot of passages today. We have been working through a study that is called The Truth About Man. Now, I love studies like this. I also love studies about the truth about God. And there is that study as well that we'll be looking at. But for this period of time, we've been at length studying the truth about man. What does God's word say about mankind? I've heard lots of things that people have said is that people are basically good. Well, the Bible says there's no one good, no, not one. So you see this contrast between what the culture says today, whether it's about heaven or hell or God or mankind. So where does our truth come from? There is absolute truth, and that truth comes from God's word. God's word can speak to any kind of situation. That could be homosexuality, it could be sin, it could be abortion, it could be joy, it could be happiness. It speaks to all people, and God has revealed himself to us through his word. So, I would hope that you would dig in with us today. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to get one. If you don't have one, though, I completely understand, but I would encourage you, as I give you the verse and passage names that you would write them down because I do tend to go quite fast and I want to cover a lot of material today. So we've been working through the truth about man and the last session, and this is going to be held continued, that four-letter word, I know, H-E-L-L. So we're going to be talking, where do I get my truth about hell? I get my truth about hell from the Word of God. And so we're going to be referencing, and there is a lot about hell in the scriptures. I think people have a tendency, though, to think it is something symbolic or it's just separation from God. It's not just separation from God. It is a real place. Okay? And I'm going to explain why. So I wanted to dig in today. So last time that we met, we talked about hell, in essence. What is it? We also talked about the nature of hell and I like to ask people this question, what does someone need to do to go to hell? I go around asking people, what do you need to do to go to heaven? Well, you got to be a good person. Well, if you tell me you're going to be a good person and you think you're a good person, I'm going to do what Jesus did. I'm going to walk you through the Ten Commandments to show you that you are not a good person and no one is good enough to go to heaven. And if you think your good deeds, like a lot of those other religions think, will get you to heaven, you're clearly wrong. Okay? It's like in this culture today in our society, it's not okay to tell someone they're wrong. Yes, it is. 
I can do that and stand upon firmly the Word of God and what the Word of God says to us. So, with that said, we're going to talk about, and I'm going to answer that question, what does someone need to do to go to hell? We're going to talk about that along the way. What does someone need to do to go to heaven? And to wrap up the series, not this lesson, but the last one, we want to end it on hope. And that's where we're going to end, is because man only really truly has one hope, and that hope is in Christ Jesus alone for his salvation. God made a way so that someone doesn't have to go to hell, that he can go to heaven. Now, you need to understand also that God is a God of love, but he's also a God of wrath. And we've talked about this. If God gives you and me what we deserve, it is not heaven. It is hell. And yes, multitudes will go to heaven. If you can't get your brain wrapped around that, maybe it's not your time to understand. God is not some big meanie in the sky. He is holy and righteous and just. And if he gives us, you and me, what we deserve, it is not heaven. It's hell because of our sin. Our biggest problem right now is our sin. What do we do with our sin? We hide it. We lie about it. We cover it. We drink it away, drug it away, whatever it may be. But you've got to deal with your sin. And the reality is you, in the final analysis, cannot deal with your sin. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It is through him. So today, let's dig into a biblical description of hell. All right? This is not coming from Rhonda. This is coming from the Bible. All right? So there are many graphic and striking descriptions of hell that we can pull from the scriptures. And they're given to us to understand. So we need to understand them. Now, whether they are taken... Excuse me, in a literal context or allegory, this is we take the Bible literally, but there is different kinds of language. We have poetic, we have um, apocalyptic language, and we have narrative in the Bible, and we need to understand the type of language that is used in the Bible. A lot of people do not like to take this language literally. They just can't get their brain wrapped around it. It's like, well, that can't be that bad. Yes, it can, because our sin is that bad. So, is place a, is hell a, a literal place of fire and darkness and a brimstone and of smoke? So, let's look at what the Bible says about hell. Now, the Bible describes, I should say also, the terrors of hell. Okay? And the biblical writers used, I believe, the greatest terrors known to man on earth so that we can get our brains wrapped around us and get a grasp of hell. It talks about fire, darkness, brimstone, which is sulfur coming out of fire, a pit. And smoke are only feeble attempts. I think they're small attempts to describe the reality that is far, going to be far more reaching for that man who does not have the righteousness of Christ Jesus when he dies. So, think about this. In the same way that the glories of heaven cannot be comprehended. We cannot comprehend heaven right now. It's the same as true of hell as well. So, let's dig into some scriptures. How is hell described in these following scriptures? So, I'm going to give you some verses and then we're going to go read them. 
So what are the scriptures or the descriptions communicate to you and me about hell and the nature of hell? So let's go to first the book of Matthew. And we're going to go Matthew chapter 3, verse 10. And then we're going to go to Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. So if you're writing these down, Matthew chapter 3, verse 10, Matthew chapter 17, verse 19. So the first one says this. And even now the axe is laid to the root of trees. Hmm. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. There we see the word fire. And 7, chapter 7, verse 19, it reads, Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So one of the truths that we hear that, and we see this throughout scripture, is the idea of fire is used to communicate what? It's used to communicate judgment and the wrath of God. And it's revealed against sin and sinners. And you really can't separate the sin from the sinner. So keep that in mind. It is God's holy and just reaction to sin and to really everything that contradicts his nature and his will for us. Think about that in your life. Are you living God's way or are you living your way? What about your will? If you are, I tend to look at people two ways. You're either unsaved, and I say this over and over again. You're either unsaved or you are saved. You either do not have the righteousness of Christ Jesus, or you do have the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You are not born again, or you are born again, not of the flesh, but of the spirit. Those who do not have the righteousness, who are not born again, who are unsaved, you have to come to the point where you realize because of your sin that you deserve to go to hell. And you're probably choking on that right now. Maybe you're not there. But God is calling you. And he's calling you out of darkness into light. He gives you a new heart and a new mind. He gives you a new heart. It's like God washed my heart of all my sins. My past sins, my now sins, my future sins. Gave me a new heart and a new mind so that I could follow him. There's two distinct groups of people here. And we need to understand this rightly. Here's another one. Matthew chapter 18, verse 8. So let's go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 8. Here we go. It says, If your hand or foot causes you to sin... Cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands and two feet to be cast into everlasting fire as compared to everlasting life. So there we see another truth. The emphasis here is that the sufferings of the wicked in hell are forever. I always like to ask people, where do you think you're going to be in a hundred years? Hmm? Where are you going to be in a hundred years? Here's another one. It's another truth that comes from Matthew chapter 3. So let's go back. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. Says this. His, 
willowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Another reference. We see a truth here. The ideas communicated here is that the torments of hell will not only be eternal, but undiminished as well. There will never be any relief for the condemned. And we'll get you to that place where you understand. Here's another one. <clears throat> Go to the very last book in the Bible. Begins, the Bible begins with Genesis and ends with the book of Revelation. So I want you to go, this is one of my favorite ones, Revelation chapter 20 verse 10. Revelation chapter 20 verse 10. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So this description is given to communicate the immensity and the power of hell. Now, question for you. Who created hell? Did you think about that? In the beginning, God created everything. Everything. Even the animals. There's no such thing as evolution. And everything breeds of its own kind. So he created hell for a reason. So keep that in mind. And keep this in mind also. A description is given to communicate the immensity of the power of hell. It's not just a sprinkle or a small stream of torment. I, I Once in a while when I'm baking or I have my hands in the oven, I will burn my fingers and I don't like it. And I'll try to run cold water over it. And it's smart. And I'm just telling you, it's just a small little burn. This gives you an indication of... Hell gives us an indication of how God thinks about sin and sinners. Here's another one in Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are four Gospels. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 42. 1342. It says this. <coughs> I'm going to read 41 and 42. The Son of Man, meaning Jesus will send out his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's pretty serious language right there. The truth communicated here is one of intensity. I want to go back here though because it says here Gather out of his kingdom all things that what? Offend. Have you offended God? How would you offend God? Your sin offends God. I'm like, what do you mean by my sin? Are you calling me a sinner? Sure. We're called sinners. The Bible says we're all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Why do 10 out of 10 people die? Because of sin. There's a the logic. What do you mean by sin? The commandment says you shall not bear false witness. You ever told a lie? When you tell lies, what does it make you? A liar. How many lies do I need to tell to make me a liar? One. Not ten, not a hundred. Think of how many lies that you've told in your life. The commandment says, eighth commandment says you shall not steal. Have you ever taken something that does not belong to you? 
could be music. It could be a piece of gum or a piece of candy. Or maybe you did it 20 years ago or 30 years ago when you were a kid. It doesn't matter. You take one thing that doesn't belong to you, you are a thief. Third commandment says you shall not use God's name in vain. It's called blasphemy in the Bible and it's very serious because God is holy. His name is holy. But people use God's name as a filth word in communication. Or they'll say OMG all the time. It's like I see it every day. Or they use God's name as a cuss word. And the Bible says in Exodus, Exodus 20 says, He'll not hold us guiltless. We have to give an accounting of every other word we speak. We need to stop and think about this. The commandment says you shall not murder someone. And Jesus said, well, you've heard it said of old, you shall not murder. But I say, if I hate you, or I even call you a name, I'm guilty of murder in my heart. And I know that some of you watching this have murdered before. You struck someone and killed someone. And I realized when I was court reporting back in the day that I realized that murder didn't begin with the shooting, the strangling, or the stabbing. It began where? In the heart. God sees our hearts and hatred and anger as seen by God as murder. He says you shall not commit adultery, but he said when a man looks upon a woman to lust, he's committed adultery already. That would include pornography, homosexuality, fornication, sex out of marriage. Lusting is considered adultery. And see, those are only five of the Ten Commandments that are on your heart right now and God's given you a conscience and that means that when you sin you do so with knowledge that one day you're going to die now if we love people enough and jail ministry here we love people we warn them about hell we do we do a lot of talking about we want you to go to heaven we want to tell you how to get there and Jesus is the only way but just like with my son, when I was raising him, I told him the good, the bad, and the ugly. He needed to understand the bad. We're warning people. We warn people all the time. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't watch that. When we love someone, we warn them. I mean, the most loving thing we can do is to warn them to not walk off the Grand Canyon cliff. Is to not go to hell. Let's talk a little bit more about hell. Here's another one in Matthew chapter 8. Verse 12. Matthew chapter 8, verse 12. Just to kind of wrap up what I was saying about sin, you have to come to that point where you realize if you violated God's commandments, you're a liar, you're a thief, you're a blasphemer, you're a murderer, you're an adulterer, that you're guilty of breaking His law. That's sin that we just talked about. And because you're guilty, you don't deserve to go to heaven. You deserve to go to hell, just like I deserved to go to hell. But I will not go to hell. And I'll tell you why in just a moment. Let's go to Matthew chapter 8 verse 12. He says this. Jesus says, But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into outer darkness and there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Here's another one. Matthew chapter 22 verse 13. Matthew 22 verse 13. Read this one as well. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be ha called a house of prayer, 
but you have made it into a den of thieves. And I just read 21.13, so we're going to read 22.13. That's a good one, though. 22.13 says, Then the king said to the servants, Bind them hand and foot, take them away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. One more in Matthew chapter 25 verse 30 25 verse 30 says this and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth there we just read what three verses and we hear it over and again weeping and gnashing of teeth the truth communicated here is one of alienation that person is cast out cast out of where out of the presence of of the Lord God. See, when you die, your body, your flesh will go to the ground, but you have a soul and your soul will live forever, either in heaven or hell. It says the inhabitants of hell are cast out and no place is found for them. Weeping. I don't know if you've ever cried so much. And I remember doing so when my husband passed away and I ran out of tears and God gave me tears again the next day. God always provides. And you need to understand this. He has provided a way so that you don't have to go to hell. It says these people will be alienated from God, but from they'll be alienated from fellowship also with any others. There's not going to be one big party in hell. And I hear this quite a bit. There's no talking here about a party in hell. Not at all. It is a place of absolute and unbearable isolation apart from the life and the light of God not even in the God's presence there's other verses here but I want you to understand the warnings that we are talking about here now I want to go in our last little bit of time here that we have I want to talk about the warnings to avoid hell we see that the terrors of hell are clearly clearly just in the few verses that we read that they're clearly communicated in the scriptural warnings to avoid hell at all costs now I've met people our ministry has met people they're going so fast in one direction to hell and we're trying to begging and pleading with them to stop to turn around to repent and put your trust and faith in Christ alone for your salvation God made a way to forgive you of your sins. These are just some warnings that you need to consider from the scripture. So let's take a look at some of these. Now Jesus clearly and unapologetically taught about the realities of hell and gives us the greatest warnings to flee from the wrath to come. Yes, God is a God of love and he's a God of wrath. So let's look at Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Chapter 10, verse 28 says this. He says, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's an interesting verse. Hmm. This is a warning that's communicated to us about the terrors of hell. 
The Bible actually says, you're probably thinking, well, we don't need to fear the Lord. Yes, we do. It says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Here's another one. Let's look at Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 12. And this is a warning to avoid hell at any cost. Luke chapter 12 verse 5 says this. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him. Capitalized him. After he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. So I think sometimes we have a tendency to just read the passages and the verses in the Bible that we really want to read that are for us. And I had a, a missionary counsel me on this one time because he looked at my writings in the Bible and I do write in my Bible and you can write in your Bible too if you want to. But a lot of those markings were about me. And that's okay. But he explained to me, Rhonda, when you are no longer an immature Christian, yeah, he called me an immature Christian, but when you said, when you become mature, you can go deeper into God's Word. And the writings in your Word and the Bible will be about Him. And that's like this verse here. These are deep verses that a lot of times I just maybe didn't understand them. I didn't want to understand them. But I just kind of go over them like a speed bump. And we need to understand these verses. Jesus and the biblical writers of the Bible not only taught about the terrors of hell, but they also warned men to avoid the condemnation of hell at any cost. Let's look at a few of these verses to wrap up. In Luke chapter 13, verse 24, it says this. Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Hmm. Here's another one. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 8 and 9. 18, 8 and 9 says this. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Did you hear that? Hear God's word clearly. What do I need to do to avoid hell? Do I need to do something? See, Christianity is a done faith. It's not a doing faith. It's done. It's finished. Jesus said, it is finished. You can't add one good work to what Jesus did on the cross. And he talks about a man's righteousness. Our, a person who was unsaved, his works are like filthy rags. Dirty, filthy. But people walk around thinking that they're good people all the time. Thinking that their good deeds will get them to heaven. Your righteousness will never get you to heaven. Maybe you're a Muslim. Maybe you're a Mormon. I don't know what you are. There are different religions and there are different cults. But the word of God says, For by grace are you saved through faith and this not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest you boast about it. Are you boasting in your good works to get you to heaven today? And I realize that maybe you have grown up in a cult 
or another religion that this is this is all you've known your whole life this is it you're telling me that what I believe in is wrong you need to compare that with the Word of God because I know I've been there and done it if this is what God's Word says and that's what the catechism says one's right and one's wrong I would ask you to examine what you've grown up in because it says to examine ourselves to make sure we're in the faith that's what the Bible says trust God's word and in Jesus' only words he said in his own words he said repent and believe turn away from your sin flee from your sin it says if your hand causes you to sin to cut it off if your eye causes you to sin to pluck it out now is that literal language let's look at the language again he's saying to what lengths do we need to go in our lives to not sin now do I still sin yes I fall into sin but I no longer chase after it and I no longer dive into it like a lake or a swimming pool what are you doing with your sin in your religion are you trusting in a man made religion to get you to heaven when Jesus who is God in the flesh provides a way of salvation and eternal life don't turn your back repent of your sins that's between you and God you don't need to go to a priest to go do it agree with God that you're a liar and a thief and a blasphemer and a fornicator whatever it may be you turn away from sin and then you turn towards not a drug not a drink not prostitution you turn towards Christ Jesus and put your trust and faith in him alone for your salvation you cannot save yourself but Jesus saved me he brought me out of darkness into light gave me a new heart and a new mind and I follow him I pick up my cross and daily I follow him we want these same things for you repent and believe in Jesus God bless until next time we'll wrap it up thank you